Blog Talk Radio. Frontier Beyond Fear blog talk radio program. I'm Susan Laris and Dan. And today is Saturday, May 22nd, 2021. In fact, this morning I was reminded and I was trying to remember whether it was May 21st or May 22nd, but I knew it was close when the Joplin tornado took place many years ago and not long before this show I went and looked it up and sure enough it was May 22nd and um, that was a very interesting tornado and actually at the time um, I had a year later I believe a guest who had documented and how many children caught up during that very big storm saw these unusual beings that they called the butterfly people that either comforted them or in some cases whisked a loved one away or was around a loved one before that person was gone. There were many stories of this. And that is not directly related to our topic today, but it is an interesting story and how these children independently talked about that in the Joplin tornado. Um, Today, I am going to be talking about a topic that is very much in the news lately. And I'm going to be honest with you at the outset and say that I know that I have in a way, how do I put it? tended to flee (laughs) from this topic. Um, Here I am starting the show off with the butterfly people, which probably may sound um, even more out there than this topic used to sound. And yet, I've been involved with it over the years. And I haven't really known what to do with it, if you want to know the truth. And one of my main issues is those of you who have followed this show or have read my blog know that despite having had a career as a technologist, so to speak, and a scientific background and degrees in math and computer science, and I went to a university for my master's degree for computer science that a lot of things came out of, including what really became the first widely used web browser at the time, which was Mosaic. I didn't work on it. 
I worked on something else. I was working on the superconducting super collider project, which was never built. In any case, yes, I have a background in the sciences and spent many years working with scientists in different ways and or on technological um, developments, different things that actually went into um, very pivotal, very, I can't speak today, that's fine. <laughs> it's not that important. It's just the sense that I have been very involved in technology, and yet I do not elevate it. I do not view technology as an indication that a civilization is advanced. So one of the reasons the UFO topic has always carried some issues for me is it tends to have all wrapped up in it this notion that to be advanced you must have all this whiz-bang technology and how we need it too and there have been all these stories around different places how we actually have it or we you know there are just so many things and I personally do not elevate that even though we are a technological civilization now, it is my contention, and this is why I'm doing this topic today, that what is most important is not actually technological prowess. And it certainly is not searching for other civilizations, looking for technological signals. To me, that has always been um I don't know if it's a complete waste of time. I mean, you may find one, and it, they really have not had much luck finding them because I actually believe most technological civilizations do not survive, that it is only a stage and it is not actually advanced. So if we really are being visited by some high-tech species, and yes, there's much talk and many accounts where people say they're combining um, things like telepathy with high technology, to me that is still not an indicator of an advanced civilization because what is truly advanced is to have an awareness of spirituality and to truly go in the direction of its potential. Because once you have an awareness, a true awareness, and a growing, expanding awareness with your oneness with the divine, and this spans several different types of spirituality. I'm going to be very careful in this program to say that it's not just one form of spirituality. If your form of spirituality talks about the omnipresence of God or the divine, then that is what I'm talking about. Because a civilization, to be a truly advanced, would have that knowledge. They would have that awareness. You know, there are people on our planet, for example, at the University of Arizona, who've been studying consciousness for quite some time and they hold conferences that are really kind of interesting I've never been to one but I'm aware of these conferences 
um, and they have all types of different speakers talking about consciousness. We know so little, and yet we so rapidly diminish it. And even so, many of us, including in the scientific community, because I know many people with scientific backgrounds and very serious researchers, have had things occur in their lives or have made observations about different types of phenomena that go beyond what we tend to think is possible in our materialistic or mechanistic view of the world. Science that limits exploration, despite its rather infamous history on this planet, where we have a very hard time accepting that new paradigms come along, we embrace a way of understanding something, and then we say, even more so lately today, although it goes all the way back, that this is the way it is, this is the way we've shown it to be, and then along comes maybe one person or a couple of people. Often it happens, which is also very interesting, how it tends to happen by more than one person at a similar time. A new development comes along, and everything changes. Science, and now I'll refer to the movie Contact, which I put in the header of this show, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Those of you who saw Contact, I also read the book, but I tend to remember the movie more than the book, and the movie is very different than the book, as I recall. But there's a point in Contact where they know they've made contact um, with something, and interestingly enough, it's due to getting a signal. That wouldn't always be the case. But here we are in this world right now where we're observing these craft. Yes, they could be us. They could be somebody developing this. That's always possible. But even I have seen something. For years, I thought, I'm never going to see anything. And it happened one year, just a few years ago. I was on the phone with someone else at the time. And I was in a rural area or semi-rural area. And I was looking to a very rural area over the mountains. And I was talking on the phone with somebody And these were rather faint. It wasn't dramatic. It wasn't like right overhead. It wasn't huge, but it was in the distance. I saw several faint lights that were doing things almost like fireflies, and yet they weren't fireflies. They were in the sky. They were not um, Starlink. They were not satellites. They even blipped in and out. Um, and were moving at angles so rapidly that almost like, um, gosh, sort of like a swarm. Did I report it? Did I say anything? No, because many people probably don't. But I was telling this person on the phone who was just working on a festival, um, someone involved with a festival that I used to, to run at that time. I was president of a large community festival. And it was just a regular business-type conversation for this festival. And I'm telling her, I stopped talking, and I said, huh, I'm seeing something interesting. And I told her, and she said to me, she said, those are UFOs, (laughs) very matter-of-factly. 
And this was not a woman who had ever said anything like that before. We hadn't talked about that. Um, it was, a, and you know, then she proceeded to ask me if I ever thought about things like that. Well, of course, I've thought about all kinds of things, but I never had talked to to this woman about that. And you know, they they were so visible. That particular house I had had a window that faced where you could see out towards a very um, rural mountainous area and so I was able to see and probably if it was typical if I remember my lights weren't on it was getting um, and I was able to see them so um, so anyway it was not something I ever really thought about reporting it was so faint and yet it stayed with me in the past before that many years ago I used to participate in a UFO festival that was nearby in McMinnville, Oregon. And I would get even on national radio in those days and broadcasts from the festival. One year I was on a panel talking about this topic. And my take on it was always back then as well, and I included a link to one of those broadcasts, in the show page, that we had to focus on the spiritual perspective. And that is still true. That is still true, and on multiple levels. Why is the spiritual perspective important? Well, it's intrinsic, for one, to our lives, for many of us. And if you are not a spiritual person, it is right around the corner waiting for you if you open the door. Because there are amazing things that are possible in this world. And we've seen it. I've seen things that are so statistically improbable and demonstrable things. And it's important, those of us who have this perspective, even if you don't. I put this show out on Twitter and I tagged it UFOs so I could have all kinds of people listening who are very into technology. And in fact, years ago, I got into quite a discussion with Stephen Bassett about this because he is very oriented towards the so-called nuts and bolts of this phenomenon. He cares about the hardware. I care about the spiritual parts. And he and I had quite a lively discussion during part of that show where both views are contrasted. It's not that Stephen Bassett is totally closed off to these things. He speaks at spiritual expos. He knows spiritual people. There are spiritual people around him, and I don't know. I can't even recall what his view is. It's just his focus is very much on the hardware. I suppose one could say, this is funny, I hadn't thought about this before, as a computer scientist, mine is on the software, (laughs) and not traditionally in the sense of spirituality being something that is much more soft, much more fuzzy than, you know, the hardware aspect, and I suppose that's always been true in throughout my career. I care about, for example, the user elements. That was always true for me. Or how do you write about the software or whatever, whereas others are very involved with the hardware aspects. Even on that superconducting super collider project, the thing that I was working on was very related to hardware, and yet my part of it 
was um, really kind of an early version of AI, where I was writing a self-modifying editor, a part of it, to help um, to help conf- to to help plan out the hardware for this device, which never got built in Texas, and that did get used in other places. And to this day, people still look up a paper that was involved with this effort. It's still out there. And, um, you know, under Larison was my name then, and I use both names now. Why does any of this matter? Why do I go into my background at all? Because I have been in the sciences. I have been around the sciences. There are even some really interesting synchronicities in my life. Um, in this area, and I've, I'm not going to talk about all the different outreach efforts that I have been involved in, and I used to have a booth at that festival, for example, because now I realize some of those things need to go in a different direction. I've done research. I have researched past newspaper articles about this topic because it used to be more open about UFOs. It's really interesting to read articles from the 1960s, for example, and what they had to say. Um, They're hard to find anymore. Um, A lot of them were, you know, you could actually click on the New York Times archive, for example, and it would bring it up like on a microfiche, which many of you don't even know what that is, where it shows um, the actual newspaper. It's not in digital form. All we have are images of the newspapers and of the articles. And there are some really interesting things that happened um, in the 60s where people were looking into this and asking open questions. In the movie Contact, when they finally confirm, yes, there is life, and yes, it is interacting with us, in that case, it wanted they were being given the information, and they didn't know this all at first, to build something. But there was communication. They knew now. They had contact. Who was at the table when that happened? It wasn't just the scientists. There were spiritual people at the table. They had a variety of views. This is true now, too, I'm sure. Um, I am well aware that there are people that feel, for example, that this could be demonic. That's how they would label it. That is not a view that I am presenting here. Though there can be low vibrational things in the world and how you label that. It's hard to it's hard to say how to label it. Within other parts of the spiritual community, in the metaphysical community, there is this notion of a lower vibrational civilization. And certainly on this world, I mean dark things happen. Low vibration, it's a dark, you know, these are not good things. So those who have reports of dark things happening When I used to have a booth at the UFO Festival, I would collect reports from people just for fun, and I'd put them up on a chart 
right next to the booth. Where have you seen a UFO? I had never seen one at the time. And the funny thing was is I really wasn't all that interested in the hardware. For for me, it's always been the spiritual side I've cared about the most. And I'd get all kinds of people coming by saying they had seen things, and they would also sometimes have some dark story to tell, which I know those are out there, um, things they feel have happened, and, um, you know, there's a lot going on in this area. I'm not talking about all of that today. I'm not here to dismiss what your experience is or what you have heard or what you care about, but what I am saying today as this topic becomes front and center is that we at this time are dominated by people who do not value spirituality. There are many people who care most about the mechanistic universe. They call themselves rationalists. I don't like to use that term because I actually believe it's rational to truly explore truth and to not be afraid to study truth in every way. And if we were more open as a society and in the sciences as well, I believe we would be much farther along in understanding the spiritual side of things, in understanding things like the University of Arizona is studying in the realm of consciousness and of healing how much that would have helped us in the past year. And I've talked about this before. But we're not talking about even that today. We're talking about who needs to be at the table to talk about this subject. I very much say this isn't about a leader. It's not about anybody like that. It's about all of us. It's about all of us. And when you understand the notion of omnipresence, you realize, and I know there are people in this audience, and I am among them who have had more expansive spiritual experiences, the so-called one with the multiverse experience. I'm not even going to get into that in detail today. Those things are very intricate and complex. However, at the center is omnipresence. Omnipresence. I heard it said once, well, you know, if there were these species out there, they would just be too far away, and of course they would have lived in another time, or, you know, they're never going to come here. Even as we're observing, observing these craft, and that's probably changing the subject a bit, and yes, there could be all kinds of things that are known that are not being discussed, I get that too. But the thing is, it doesn't matter when they lived. It doesn't matter where. It could have been a million years ago. It doesn't matter. A civilization that is aware of omnipresence, that has become a spiritual civilization, a spiritual society that values that really over everything. Not to say that you can't have other forms of, you know, other aspects of your life, but omnipresence is the key. Omnipresence means 
we're inseparable. We're inseparable from the divine. We are inseparable from the so-called them. We are inseparable from one another. Here, there, everywhere. I did a show, if you didn't listen to that one, about linear time, non-linear time, a few shows ago. It's very relevant here. Ultimately, in contact, the main character struggle, and this is in the movie, not the book, is about spirituality. This person is a skeptic. The character played by Jodie Foster, she's a skeptic. She is involved with someone who's very spiritual, who really isn't, he's actually, (laughs) interestingly enough, not a great fan of technology. And he talks about how technology um, had changed the world in harmful ways. Um, And I find that ironic because I feel like sometimes I'm stepping into his role in my own way, and maybe others are as well. Technology has served its purpose, and it still serves its purpose. Another movie, 2001, talks a lot about that. I know this is going to go into overtime. I am going to briefly say I'm very happy that Blog Talk Radio has it on the front page right now under live and upcoming. I think this is an important show, and I appreciate that support. I appreciate those of you listening live, especially anyone new who came in from Twitter because of my tagging of this program. And I appreciate those of you who are listening in the future because, yes, you are here with me now. There is no time, really. So if you want to listen to the rest of this program, which I know will go into overtime, it will be available shortly at the same link, and you can listen to the end. So in the movie Contact, back to that one for a second, the main character, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Contact, which I think many of you have by now, you may want to kind of skim over the next, oh, I don't know, about three minutes so I don't give it away. She goes on the journey, ultimately. And at one point she said, They should have sent a poet. Then she has a highly spiritual experience. Even though it's really these beings presenting themselves to her in a way she would understand, but clearly they're very advanced in understanding the psyche. It doesn't go all the way into full-scale spirituality like 2001 does. Because, you know, Carl Sagan... He was an agnostic. He, um, that's a tricky place to be, though, because what are you labeling as the divine? Many people are atheists with respect to one definition or another definition. In fact, I would wager everybody is with some definition of God. And how do you label what it means to see evidence of something greater than what we are? Ultimately, in contact, she is not believed. And here she is then in this role of having had this extraordinary experience. 2001 is a very interesting movie. When I was young, I didn't understand it. I was too young to understand it when I first saw it. 
And it's pretty eclectic at the beginning, but it's very important what it has to say. And this isn't even the first time I've talked about this on this program. What do you have? You're seeing the progression of humanity, and you're also seeing that we're being helped, that this is a kind of guided evolution. It's not just evolution. There is a guide involved here. And humanity enters, at the very beginning, the age of the tool. They show these apes who are wandering around, and at some point one of them picks up a bone and uses it after being prompted by this guide, which appears as a kind of a, um, an obelisk, so to speak. That then causes a leap of understanding, and the age of the tool begins. And it shows, after that, how the age of the tool progresses to the point of we're using tools to go into space. That's like the culmination of the age of the tool. Technology is like that. It's the age of the tool. And it's a very physical, mechanistic age. What happens next in 2001 is we enter the next phase through another leap after once again, you know, there's we are in that movie, helped to get to the next phase. And that phase is a spiritual phase. It's a timeless phase. And it, you know, the movie is quite eclectic for people, but what they're really looking at is a higher experience and an expansive experience. And if you watch 2010, which becomes more relevant every day, I think, in that, you know, the things on the world right now, um, we've gone through times where it was a little bit calmer, but right now the earth is is very chaotic, very tumultuous, and there are a lot of conflicts just waiting to happen. There, um, This is not a good time on our planet. It is not a good time for authenticity, which is so important within the spiritual realm. It is not a good time for, um, you know, valuing different perspectives and listening. Um, and even if you don't agree with 90% of that perspective, 10% of it may actually make some sense. But because nobody's listening to anybody anymore, and there's really even in, at many times no way to even um, talk about various things, um, in fact, one thing in particular, like healing. You know, in the past year, who would have thought that there would be a year where it was frowned upon to talk about healing? And yet that's what happened in 2020. We were led down a path where that didn't really matter anymore. And, you know, a very cold, isolating way of um, of treating pretty much everything. Totally forgetting, even for people who don't feel very spiritual at all, how important for a sick patient, for example, to have a human touch. And that came up in a show recently, too, about, I'll tell the story again, a real thing I saw on the news where someone was allowed to see her husband in isolation and he was near death. 
and had been on a ventilator, and just by her mere presence by his side, he woke up, and he was okay. We have totally turned our back on that aspect of who we are, and to our detriment. So this has not been a good year, 2020. A lot of things happen. Some of them may be catalysts. But it hasn't, for the most part, been a good year. If we go down the path of studying UFOs in the same way we dealt with that virus, it will be totally unproductive. I don't think that's really possible. I think we've learned our lessons. I'm not saying that those who think they they get to control this whole adventure that we're having believe that but in reality what this is is big enough or we don't know what it is do we i mean we're still trying to understand what it is what it potentially is is big enough that no one can really dominate it because the spiritual is greater than any other realm I said in the introduction to this show, in the description, that technology is like sticks and stones compared to spirituality. A civilization that develops in the spiritual realm, yes, healing. I wish I could explain to you how or why Sometimes healing happens, and sometimes it doesn't. There are many people who would come on, perhaps, who would tell you exactly how they believe that is the case, and yet has been my observation. It can be very mysterious. But I know for a fact that it happens. It's happened to me. It's happened to loved ones. It's why my family was spiritual to begin with. I talked in another episode, I think a couple of shows ago, the Use the Force Luke program, which is also quite interesting about my family history. I thought it was important to clarify, I was not personally having been too young by the time much of this had passed. I was not a part of my grandfather's church. My grandfather had a church where healing occurred. People say... Those are all charlatans. Healing occurred. I know that my aunt got up and walked from polio. That's why the other side of my family got involved in spirituality, or at least a deeper involvement. That changed that whole side of the family. I myself, and I did think it was important to say this, was never involved in that church, although I still have family members who, you know, extended family, um, various family. I don't think get into all the family. There are people in the family who still are part of, of that religious path, and I actually went through a stage in my life where I tried to run away from spirituality until I had an awakening, and it was very mysterious how something happened to me where something mysteriously disappeared with no explanation. It was a life 
potentially life-altering at the very least situation, and then there was nothing there. This happened again later. It's happened, I can count multiple times, not not again, um, well, yeah, I guess I can think of times with me. It gets to the point where it just happened, and it's happened with other loved ones. This isn't just about people around me. It's happened with friends. It's happened with a lot of people. These things happen, and they're mysterious. To think that we would go through a time of serious, serious trial and illness and not care, turn our backs on the human element. Do you realize how many people died of negligence in this past year, of of broken hearts, the elderly who were isolated? The fear was great. The problem was great. And now we're facing other things that are occurring that, you know, do your homework that are upsetting, to say the least. If we continue down this path of denying our spirituality like we did in the past year and we face that, this UFO question in such a way, we will get nowhere. I'm not sure we're going to survive this age. I hope we do. But we're in a very dark place right now. We are not in a place of honesty, authenticity, or fact, or caring about honesty, authenticity, or fact. And we're certainly not in a space of caring about spirituality for many people. Oddly, many people do care. I said that wrong. There's a small group of people that seems to keep hijacking the discussion. And yes, we look for extraterrestrial life by looking for radio signals. Like that's what it's all about. And you wonder why you don't find them. That is not what it's all about. Anyone who's even watched Star Trek, for heaven's sake, and I grew up watching Star Trek, knows that if you think expansively, alien life could come in ways you can't even comprehend. And what we continually deny is that the spiritual element matters. People are so terrified of that aspect, some people, they absolutely refuse to even consider it, or they mock it. This is limiting us as humanity. It is limiting our exploration, our closed-mindedness. I don't know where all this is going to go. I actually didn't see the 60 minutes that everybody's talking about. I've heard some segments from it. One thing I found that was interesting is they said how um, these crafts seem to know, like this rendezvous point, without any way of them knowing it. That's interesting. Um, now, I'm sure they could come up with some conventional way of them knowing that. In fact, it even dawned on me recently, you know, in the movie Contact, and this may come across as a novel way of looking at it, I don't know if anyone's thought about this. I mentioned it to a friend. 
it's possible a non-technological civilization could present itself to us as technological because that's all we could understand, or most of us, or some of us, or those they think they need to warn. And yes, there may be a warning involved here, given what they're up to, and it probably would be warranted. If you've never seen the day the earth stood still from the 1950s, there's an important movie. That was a technological society, but what if it wasn't? And what would it want to say to us? How could we change? How should we change? What do we need to do? And don't we have potential? Of course we do. What is potential? Those of you who think technology is all the potential that matters, I do not agree with you. The real potential of the human civilization is spiritual. That's it. Becoming aware of our spirituality. Becoming aware of omnipresence. Becoming aware of the divine. Becoming aware of what is possible. Arthur C. Clarke wrote about it in Childhood's End, although I've never really liked that book very much because it's very cold. Again, spoiler alert, if you haven't read Childhood's End, I will give you a sec. Take me about 30 seconds to say what I have to say. At the end of that book, we are said to be spiritually evolved, but it is cold, cold and dark what happens. And that's not spiritual. Even 2001 is rather stark. That's not spiritual either. Everyone wants to look at higher consciousness in a mechanistic way. I actually don't think that's necessary. I am a huge fan of the mystery because I have observed it. I can't explain the formulas. I know I. this is one of the reasons that I do this program, just sharing my own thoughts right now for the most part, because so many times, um, you know, I'm not... I actually had a dream once after my father died to basically, and he, he was in this dream, to, to give to allow people the space to to follow the formula that worked for them was the gist of it. So I'm not denying that formulas can't work or some program or some approach. And even that dream confirmed it. And I needed to hear that at that time because I was supporting a lot of things in ways I just didn't know much about them. I mean, I'm not, you know, I didn't want to be misleading people. And the message of that dream was really, um, you know, let people have their avenue to healing. It was actually about healing. So what I'm saying, though, is there isn't just one formula. I don't believe this is explainable, how it can happen. I wish, I'm sure we'd all like to know, but see, that's our lower tendency to always want to quantify to always want to categorize down to the lowest level that 
everything has to be explained in a mechanistic way. I'm saying no, it doesn't. That there are things that happen that happen. And they happen in leaps that you can't explain. They happen in the mystery. It happened to me. I had a spiritual awakening that um, some people, you know, I, people would study years maybe hoping to to have, you know, a one with the universe experience or something, whereas for me it just happened, and it happens to other people too. Not to say that you can't have a vision quest and get to that point that there aren't even throughout history ways that people have found to get to that point, but it can also happen within the space of the mystery. And for me, it was an unusual time. A lot of, I can think of different external things that may have prompted it at the time. Um, and, you know, it doesn't happen now. I have more of an awareness, but I don't need it to happen, um, nor do I really want it to happen. I'm fine with just having an intuitive awareness right now. That's enough. There is the mystery, and the mystery has everything to do with this topic of life beyond the earth. We have to start thinking more expansively. It's the way forward. I talked on another program and have often how, you know, there was some committee trying to figure out how to stop a near-Earth object and that there's no way to stop them. They basically figured out, you know, if if one was coming that was threatening enough, we we probably couldn't stop it. And yet a spiritual civilization could. A spiritual civilization could just shift it like Luke. That would be possible because you are experiencing omnipresence. Essentially, there would be no difference between you and the rock. You know how how Yoda tells Luke in in um, The Empire Strikes Back how there's no difference between this little rock and the ship? Well, guess what? You are the ship. You are the rock. We're all inseparable. Someone who knows how to move it is in, is is inseparable from you. And part of this did come through um, that notion of being inseparable from one another and yet still being distinct. There's a mystery. This came through some of my experiences too. And others have certainly observed that. All of this is applicable to the UFO and the phenomenon of considering life beyond the earth. That day when I was on the phone and saw those things up in the sky, it was almost an afterthought at the time. It was I was so involved in this festival. It's funny how um, even nonchalant I was about it. But something was there. I mean, especially as I think back on it, I mean, it was unusual. And now we're hearing through the 60 Minutes report that they observe things every day. Also, it's very interesting, 
And I had talked to someone years ago at a booth. They were near me at an expo in L.A. Um, the person who had observed these craft near missile silos. And, you know, there's a protective element here. That's why I think of the day the earth stood still, as if they see the potential. They know us. They are us. And yet we're ourselves, too. Somewhere out there, there are civilizations like this that developed. Even if they didn't, we could be that civilization. But I do believe they have. There is hope in this. Why are we here? What are we doing? Are we here to just be playing with sticks and stones? You know, Albert Einstein famously said if we we have another world war that world war four would be fought with sticks and stones let's hope we don't get to that point there are so many things to be afraid of on the earth that can happen beyond the earth you know giant solar flares and other things we learn about them all the time the entire galaxy could collide with another one. In fact, I think I saw that, you know, we're, we very well made. The very universe will end, we think. You know, is the universe open or closed? Will it just expand and expand and expand and go dark? And now you have this theory of other universes that we're just in some bubble. It all comes down to the question, it's not just who are they, it's who are we, and who is the divine, and what does it mean? How do we behave? What does it mean to act in a spiritual way? What does it mean to care about truth? and authenticity, and valuing one another, truly. Not devaluing anyone. Devaluing anyone is not the right direction. Empathy, valuing each other for who we are, each and every one of us. That's what leads us to deal with what may come next. So I think I'm going to end this program now. I may talk about this topic again in other ways. And yes, there are things um, I'm not yet sharing. I've actually, for example, had a website for many years related to this phenomenon. And that was one of the reasons I used to go to that festival, just one of them. And I am retooling it, so to speak. So I'm not going to talk about it right now. But um, in the past, what it has done is produce listings of different, you know, articles from the past, articles from the present. It gets so complicated to provide news sources anymore. Most of them are behind a paywall. When I started doing that years ago, there there were no paywalls. You could just go to a site and read the article. 
That's not the case anymore, and it gets even more complicated in certain parts of the world, whether you can link to a site or not. So I don't know how that work going forward will evolve, and I will share it perhaps in a future, in fact, I'm sure I will, in a future episode. And I have a number of web domains I'm working on. Um, In fact, also relevant to this topic is something related to Mother Shipton, who I've been researching for many years. The legend or who she could have been and who she was certainly not if she was a very honest and truth-seeking site and study. And I used to give presentations on this, a rather unusual topic that I got involved with. There was something, it actually, she never said it. People attribute it to her related to this, the topic today that I think I'll share in the future. But um, a lot of people have forged in the name of Mother Shipton. Most people, almost everything you read about Mother Shipton has been demonstrated not to have been associated with her. So I will say that, including a prophecy that relates to UFOs. It was actually written in the 1920s. Not, It did not come from Mother Shipton. But I hope to write about that some more in a truth-based way, not um, based on false rumor, which have always surrounded her. So enough said. Thank you for listening to me ramble on today about this topic. Um, these things do matter. And I know that this is happening now, this awareness of this topic, for a reason. Because I trust in that reason. And my hope is it will help to bring us higher instead of the path that we appear to be on. Take care, everyone. I'll be back next Saturday, live at, I should be back next Saturday, unless something takes me away. Occasionally in the summer, I may be away on a Saturday if I'm out. But um, typically this show will broadcast live at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and I appreciate worldwide those of you listening. Visit the Frontier Beyond Fear at FrontierBeyondFear.com. To learn more about this show, in fact, the Stephen Bassett Show has some more information on it. It's on that page if you scroll down a little bit. So I invite you to visit that page. Follow the show here on Blog Talk Radio if you'd like to know um, when there are new episodes and also just to support the energy of the show here. I am going to start looking into getting it on more platforms. I am on iHeartRadio. Um, I appreciate those who have rated the show highly there. Thank you to whoever you are. Um, And I hope to be on other platforms. I know I'm already on a couple. Not sure of where all this show is. I mean, I've done more than 400 episodes over the years, but I kind of let it go dormant or quiet. It didn't go dormant. It went quiet for a little while. And now it's going in a new direction, so I am going to start looking at the different platforms that it's on. Um, to make it accessible to you. Thank you again. I will see you next time.